Working from home with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881. 385-420-7881. Or visit syringanetworks.net. PK, your greatest call. Something you believed in. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, 855-340-ZONE. Or use, the, uh, use our app. Grab your phone, use our app, use the open mic. This would be perfect. Send it to Yach, he'll get it on the air. Your or greatest you prediction. Did you what? You just got lucky. Oh, it wasn't a great prediction, but it no, broke I your mean, way. You predicted it, but it, you it, so you don't know that you necessarily believed it, but it happened. <laughs> you took Baylor in your March Madness pool and won your pool, but you just took it because you didn't want to take Gonzaga with everybody else. No, I'll take Baylor. What the heck? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then they won it all. Yeah. I've I've had it's this is really tough for me because I've had so many where I've just been right. <laughs> it's a burden, but nevertheless I carry it. Perhaps my greatest. What would you say my greatest is? Uh, Tiger Woods uh, lost on a Sunday by a stroke, and I'm blanking on the guy who beat him Why now. Yang. Yes, and you said he'll never win again. Well, he'll win one more because he's got that much more talent. He'll win one more major because he's got that much more talent. But otherwise, it's done. That was your best. And two years ago today, Tiger won the Masters. <laughs> and, I, and I just picked him on a whim with my third and final pick. And then was, you got to go at Bob with it. He was Mr. Irrelevant for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need a longer draft before we start lotting around Mr. Irrelevant. There's still, there's still golfers in the top ten of the world <laughs> available when you make your last pick. But still, I picked Tiger, and I can remember it two years ago because it was, it was raining like crazy here. It was a crappy day, much like it is today. And they moved the Masters up. Because they were expecting rain on that final Sunday. So it was played much, much earlier in the morning instead of around 4 or 5 o'clock when we, for us, when we uh, crown a winner. I think it was done by noon, maybe even earlier our time, because they had a storm coming in. And when he won that thing and I had picked him, oh, man. It might have been, might have been my greatest, luckiest prediction. I've had some instincts where I thought uh, something may happen. I really felt that Stockton was going to retire on locker clean-out day. That was a good one. That was very specific. Um, Everyone thought he was retiring. I mean, the Kings fans gave him a big ovation when he checked out of the game because they thought he was retiring. Yeah. But he's not going to want a press conference, so he's going to do it in a locker room clean-out. It was very Stockton. Which is why you did it, but it was very why you said it, but it was very not how Hall of Famers retire. But it was totally him. Right. Right. It was one of those deals where I didn't argue with it. As soon as you said it, all that's clicking. And I, I remember calling our assignment desk and saying, Hey, this there's a good chance this is gonna happen. Be ready. It was right at the start of uh the web and dot coms, and I don't think we're into social media yet, but, you know, get it up on the website. Get it up on the website. Yeah. 
One of those yeah, deals. Yeah, I felt the instinct was uh, that was the way he was wanting to basically slip out the door. And Although they did have a party for him. I know mm-hmm. we were in the suite on that. Yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Hot Rod few... MC'd it, and the place was full. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was sort of cool. It was... Uh, it was worthy of, of the legend that he was as a ball player for sure. But I thought that, uh, you know, and that, w- that would be more of a celebration, wouldn't necessarily be an emotional moment. And I don't think he wanted that emotional moment. So he just did it, boom, gone. That was it. So uh, that I felt instinctually saying that, that that's the way he was going to go. And I've predicted a few games along the way of things or stuff that people had told me. Like, I can remember telling Kyle Whittingham in October of... Uh, You're going to be a head coach. That Yeah, that BYU's going to offer you the job. Because I'd already been told, and it was obvious, it wasn't like uh, it was any big breaking news that Croton was not going to return. I mean, that was my third year, and by then, that program was a disaster. Everybody knew it. And I told Kyle on a Saturday morning once uh, that... They're gonna get. They're gonna offer you the job. You will be uh, having an opportunity to be a head coach here in about two months. And he was sheepish. I said, "No, this is this is going to happen." <laughs> and, and I didn't know that Urban was gonna leave. Then I didn't know he was gonna get two job offers. But I thought he was gonna get one. And I told him. I told him right to his face on a Saturday morning once. And. Uh, Sure enough, that happened. But I think that was more, if you were around and on the inside of that situation like I was at that time, I don't think that was a great prophecy. I think it was a logical prophecy. You know, there was one uh, that came to pass. This is a little inside info here. We're getting away from the sports scene. Do you want me to give it to you? Sure. Why not? Okay. So BYU's playing in the Vegas Bowl, right? Mm -hmm. So that's December. And they're having an activity at the New York, New York Hotel. And they have they had the ESPN zone. I don't even know if they have them anymore. Uh, and so they gave the kids, basically they had unlimited in the game room. And there was, a, there was a ton of stuff. So it was a fun activity for them. So I'm standing out outside overlooking the strip. And this is December of 2006, I think it was. And I'm talking to Alema Harrington. He tells me, <laughs> he says, uh, "Yeah, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be working at KFan here in the spring." And we're at 1280 at the time, right? We're at the, the original zone. I said, "What?" He says, "Yeah, uh, they're gonna come after you and DJ, and you guys are gonna be doing the morning show." What? <laughs> we had no idea. But he knew. Yes. Alema's connected, keeping his ear to the ground. He, and he just told me, like, hey, how's it going? You're going to be doing this in a few months. <laughs> i never forget it. We're just we're standing outside on one of the balcony deals or whatever they had outside, overlooking a strip at the New York, New York. And he just drops it to me. Like, it was so casual. And it hadn't even entered my mind. And he was telling me, no, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> like, you can argue with me all you want, but this is what's going to happen. I don't care whether you believe it or not. And my goodness, what he said. Came true. It came true, yeah. yes. I'll never forget how he just dropped it on me, telling me, no, this is what they're going to do. 
and you're going to say yes, and DJ's going to say yes, and you're going to come over here and okay. do the morning show. <laughs> do you have a Do you have a prediction that came right that you were horrified it did, but you knew it was going to, but you didn't want it to happen, but you knew it would? Because I got uh, one. I got I, one in my personal life that I'm not going to share. <laughs> okay, but, no, I'm talking in sports. Okay, I, I can when my dad was still alive and you know living in San Diego, huge sports fan, and I'm up here, and the Chargers moved training camp to L.A. It's like, Dad, he wants to go. You don't do this. This is a total slap in the face. He wants to go, but he doesn't have the money to build a stadium here or there. Someone's got to build it for him. And it didn't occur to me that some billionaire would do it privately. I thought it was, you know, whatever city would get together and, and do it. And, uh, but he wanted to go. And who's going to build it? I had no idea Kroenke was going to move the Rams back from St. Louis. I didn't see that part of the equation coming. But... Horrified it happened, but just this sense of that's what he wants to do, but he can't afford it. So who's going to do it for him? So that was a prediction? Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of put two and two together? Yep, yep. In a moment, a play, and I got to say I only got it half right. Um, But I got the important part of it right. The who I didn't get. I just knew it was going to happen. When the Jazz were in the Western Finals with Houston in 97 and Stockton hits the shot, they, um, the Jazz had a big rally. They came from like 10 down in the last three or four minutes, running pick and rolls at Barkley, and Stockton was crushing him in it. And they tied the game up. <clears throat> Houston has the ball, and they come down, and uh, Drexler is guarded by Russell and is forced to take a really difficult shot, and he misses it. Malone gets a rebound, they call timeout. And the timeout, I went over to our photographer on the baseline, and I said, I don't know how it's going to happen, but the Jazz are going to score here and win the game. This is not going to overtime. I said, you have to be – the, the photographers will sit on in those days. Now they're not shooting on the baseline anymore, but in those days they did. And they would sit in these like um, – they were soft chairs. It was kind of leveraged. It's hard to explain. It was this little folding thing. But if anyone fell on it, it would be like falling on a pillow. Um, and I said, you got to get up on your knees because they're all going to charge out on the court. And you don't want to shoot the back of this next photographer's head. You want him to shoot the back of your head. And he just kind of nodded. And I walked away. And just a few seconds later, he got up on one knee. They come out. They run the play. Stockton hits the shot. And sure enough, the next day, we, we were standing. We were back in Salt Lake. And we were standing at the assignment desk. And they always have, they always have TVs with one on each of the local stations. In case there's breaking news, you can follow what's going on. And if you're behind, you can, it'll help you catch up, right? This is what's going on. This is what they have. That kind of stuff. And just on an average night, they always log who has the, what everybody's lead story is. So we're standing right there, and everybody's replaying it over and over from every angle, right? It's the biggest thing. And sure enough, we see on another station, there's the back of Bill Cortez's head, and we had a good laugh. So I didn't know the player who was going to make it, but you could just feel the momentum they had. They were going to hit a shot and win that game. Most recent, most recent thing I got right, the, uh, the U basketball program wasn't getting better. I was talking about a change two years ago, and another year, and another year, and it just, it just kept getting worse. So, know some of those guys, and know they've lost their job, and I have lost my job, and it is no fun, and you can't really relish that. It, is really, it really sucks when it happens. <laughs> I don't have words for how bad it sucks. I thought I handled it really well. Like 15 years later, my wife's like, you kidding me? You were a nightmare.
Turns out I didn't handle it all that well. You were a nightmare? Complete and total, apparently. Yeah. Hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> a nightmare? Yep. That's strong. That's strong words. A nightmare. You sure it was that bad? I didn't think so, but I was, in, I was informed it was. I was, pretty, I was pretty tense and stressed out. And now, look at you. You're just rolling in the gravy. There it is. All gravy all the time. Mm, gravy. Mm. Gravy? Ooh, that's gross. <laughs> gravy, isn't gravy a food that now, I don't know what it used to be like, but it, now if I eat gravy, it's once or twice a year, and it's Thanksgiving or it's Christmas. That's it. And I don't, I don't even think I eat gravy every Thanksgiving and Christmas. But if I do, that would be when. What do you mean? You don't, you don't have it on Thanksgiving? That's what I said, Thanksgiving or Christmas. But you just said, I don't think I eat it every Thanksgiving or Christmas. No, I don't think I do. I don't, I don't think I do eat it every year. I don't. But that's what I'm saying. You don't have gravy, brown gravy every Thanksgiving? Oh, it's probably on the table, but I don't know that I put it on my potatoes every year. God. I would have to say I don't every year. Really? I, sure, yeah. I mean, I, I like it. I can take it or leave it. And I don't no, know. No, 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 no. You no, have no. to have it. It's not Thanksgiving. Yes. Nah, yes. I, I might put it on if it's there, but I, I might not. It depends. Uh, well, A, if it's there, A, it must be there. <laughs> uh, and B, I must use it. Okay. Well, you're, you're, you're all about your gravy. Well, it's a Thanksgiving staple. Okay, you've never gone to a relative's house for a meal and they haven't had it. Uh, Yaka's is shaking his head. No, I can definitely say yes that I've been somewhere uh, extended family and and they didn't they didn't have it. I can't say for sure because I can't remember every single one. Yeah. But it is a staple. I'm so, telling you, if I didn't have it, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving. So I'm curious because you've told us about your mom's pasta and it was so good. And you'd have pasta, big, big celebrations where other people would think, oh, we have to have steak, we have to have barbecue. But your mom is like, hey, it's going to be Italian food. That's yes. what she does. Okay. So you would have pasta on Thanksgiving as a side dish and still have turkey, potatoes, gravy, cranberry salad, blah, blah, blah. Yes, yes. Every every year, yes. guaranteed. I can't say every year, uh, but okay. every year that I remember, because it's impossible for me to remember when I was four. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm only accountable. We're going back 37 years, so I, I don't know that I could remember that. But yes, it was there. But the Thanksgiving, if you so the Italian food was there if you wanted it, right? Yeah. And we and we had it every Sunday growing up. Every absolutely, I had it every Sunday, and probably at least one other time during the week. And at no point did I ever complain because she was awesome at it. Absolutely tremendous. People ask me about going out to eat for Italian food. Well, I never did it because why would I do that? I had the best right there. And so, uh, but the Thanksgiving feast would also be there too. And brown gravy has to be there on my potatoes. That or else, what's the point of having mashed potatoes? I don't need mashed potatoes dry. No, I, I, I would take it back. I'd get up and walk out. I just, no, absolutely. I've got to have brown gravy, or that's like not even having turkey on Thanksgiving. Come on, mashed Be- potatoes 
And you put the butter right in the middle. You've never no, done no, right. no, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, I've done that. I have done that. I know, and I've been forced to do it too. <laughs> forced to do it. Yes. <laughs> if you're good, if I'm forced, gonna, forced. Yes. To I'm I just picture. I'm with PK on this. Right? Aren't you, Yak? Of course you are. You got you to gotta have gravy. Oh, put man. an Instapole out there. You have to have gravy oh. with the mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving. That is a requirement. You've never gone to to extended family's house and they haven't had it. Not a, not not one. a chance. Not a one. Well, yeah, you're in Utah County though. That's right, living. Right. Oh yeah, that's just yeah. Blame it on <laughs> Utah County. Not blaming. What's that have anything to do with it? What's that location doesn't matter. This is you're an American. You can be in Maine all the way down to Chula Vista. DJ, I spent <laughs> Chula Vista. Why'd you go Imperial Beach? Let's go all the way to the southwest corner. DJ, I spent two years in a certain country called Taiwan, and even Thanksgiving there I had Oh, gravy. really? Yes. Really? Yes. So. Oh, is that, now is that because you're not at somebody's home? Yeah, we were. Oh, you really, really? Yeah. They, they make gravy. Yeah. So you can't, no. Really? In Taiwan? You're, you're wrong on this yeah. one. Well, I mean, I'm not wrong. But you <laughs> I are mean, wrong. I know it happened. <laughs> so I'm wrong. Well, I apologize for whoever did that to Okay. You. You have to go back. I would bring my own little uh, packet. Not- <laughs> you reach into the jacket excuse, pocket. Excuse me for a minute. I'm going to go in the back. I'm going to go in the kitchen. I real kept quick. this in my jacket pocket up against my body to keep it warm. <laughs> you just tear it open. You squeeze the gravy out. <laughs> if I knew it wasn't going to be there, I would venture to say 95% of those folks listening right now would say brown gravy on mashed potatoes for Thanksgiving. It's an absolute must. It's right there. With the stuffing and all the traditionals that you have for Thanksgiving. I had it in Puerto Rico and I made sure I had my brown gravy. That was I was with the Utes in a basketball tournament. And I've been with the Utes and Cougars in Hawaii on Thanksgiving. And I've been with the Utes in Puerto Rico. I'm pro- I don't know if I was with the Cougars on Thanksgiving, but I know I've been with the Cougars in uh, Maui. And I know I was with... With uh, because the when uh, the uh, Lavelle's last game, I was covering. I was assigned by the Watchdog to cover the Cougars that year, but I went with the basketball. So I was in a hotel room when Brandon had that pass, and they made that great comeback. It was awesome sitting there for Lavelle to have him go out for a winner. I felt bad for Ronnie Mack, of course, but you know it seemed like appropriate to have Coach Edwards and the phenomenal career that he had. And I still had my brown gravy. In, my my good friends in Puerto Rico, they know how to treat, how to take care of you. Absolutely, it's you've got to have it. It's like I'm not going to have turkey. I'm not going to have corn. I'm not going to have stuffing. Holy freak! It's just another day. It's not Thanksgiving. Tiger and the fire hydrant was that the day after Thanksgiving? Yeah, well, they might have. See, it all comes of. full circle. Look where we started. Your tiger prediction. Look where we ended. Unbelievable. It might have creeped over into the next night or early in the hours of the morning. But, yeah, I think it was because the, the news broke on the Friday, I remember. So my greatest, luckiest prediction was Tiger winning the Masters two years ago. And I still take some uh, pride in my luckiness. And that I believe that will be his last major. Now, obviously, with the car accident, I mean, it's the chances of him coming back to anything he was. that would If anybody could do it, though, it would be Tiger. If he's going to top himself, this would be it. Well, Jill sent this in. Some people have vegetarian gravy. I, I don't even know how you would do that. What does that mean? 
vegetarian gravy, not meat based. It, it wouldn't be. I mean, gravy's made out of the you know the drippings from the the turkey, and then you add you know other ingredients, flour, whatever. Uh, all right, DJ and PK, ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone. When we come back, Eric Walden, jazz writer for the Tribune, the Jazz into the final quarter of the season here, and we will talk with him about the push to the playoffs next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Ron Boone, kind enough to join us. I don't think the Jazz guys should be afraid of any team in the NBA right now, the way they're playing. And I'll tell you what I'm, what I'm enjoying right now, this late in the year, is that most teams now are starting to play the Jazz different than what we saw in the beginning of the year. They're making the Jazz make these adjustments to the point where they're taking away the three-point shot. And so they're staying at home, which means that the Jazz have to do things differently. They have to play in a more of a half-court game, and they're still able to make those adjustments and win basketball games. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ PK in the morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. We're joined now by Eric Walden, Utah Jazz writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Eric, good morning. How's it going, fellas? It's going pretty well. Jazz are 55 games deep in the season. My math skills tell me there's 17 games left. They're into the final quarter of the season. And I'm curious, as a beat writer who watches all the games, is on so many Zoom calls I can't even count, is there anything you still need to know and learn about this team, or would it be okay with you if the playoffs started next week? Oh, you know... I think honestly we we kind of know about this team. Um, that said, like ideally, you know, they do have 17 games to kind of, you know, hopefully figure out a few problem areas. But I guess the question becomes, you know, after they've played 55, do you think that 17 more are going to, you know, be what it takes to kind of fix the transition defense issues? You know, um, are those extra 17 games going to be enough? to do something about, you know, the occasional ball-stopping issues that we've seen that, that you know, the first 55 haven't taken care of. Um, I guess theoretically it's possible, and that's the reason why you play 72 instead of 55 this year. But, um, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that, like, we're going to see major shifts in those areas over this next little bit. So 41 and 14, obviously first in the West and all that stuff, first in the league, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but when you hear the knock on this team, well, there isn't a history as far as, you know, with uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. They've got a history of winning a title and all that. So, and Kawhi Leonard has done the same over there for the Clippers with other teams. What about their history, if anything, gives you cause for concern or do you think they've gotten past that and this is about now not about relying or base any opinion on history you know i mean for all the times we've heard that you know this this team doesn't have an a quote-unquote elite guy i think you know donovan mitchell is is on a sufficient tear, you know, prior to, to what he did in the Thunder game that we could probably kind of discount that, you know, he's, he's going to be their main guy when the going gets tough, when they need a basket. Um, now the question is, you know, people are inevitably going to ask, 
can he pull it off at the same level that you know O'Bron James can or that uh, a James Harden or Kevin Durant can? Um, and and these are valid questions. You know, I mean, the, the nagging question with this team is, can they get it done in the playoffs? And you know, the obvious answer is, well, until we see it, we don't know. But um, you know, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Bogey. We're starting to see him be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, we're starting to see him consistently kind of find alternate ways to score, even when his first two or three jump shots are not necessarily dropping. Um, they've got an abundance of options, which is a good thing. And, you know, again, it, it, it's going to come down to would you rather have two megastars or would you rather have four guys who are, you know, on that next tier or two down? And, I mean, this is what we're left with. The Jazz are not in a position to, to land those megastars. And so we we see them make do with this. And, um, you know, as for whether that's enough, I think I think we're seeing Don take another step this year. Um, but, again, it's going to come down to can he do it in the playoffs when the pace slows, when the refs swallow their whistles a little bit more when the physicality ratchets up um you know is is he going to be able to pull it off in that in that kind of situation i'm struggling to come up with stars who have won it all duncan magic are the two who come to mind who have won it all without having ever played in a conference final or an nba final usually you have to get deep in the playoffs lose learn from it and come back Shaq and Kobe had to lose a conference final to the Jazz before they won it all. Jordan lost a couple conference finals to the Pistons before he won it all. And you can go on down the list, all these players. How much does it concern you that this team uh, has gone out in the first round the last two years? And Mike Conley's been to a conference final, but I don't think anybody else has. Yeah, you're right about that. Mike Conley's the only one on this roster who's made it that far. And there's a lot to that. You know, we, we come from an era of, of basketball where, yeah, uh, at first it was Larry Bird and, and Isaiah Thomas had to lose to him a few times in order to make it with the Pistons. And then Michael Jordan and the Bulls had to lose to them a few times. And, you know, there's a lot to, there's a lot to it, right? Where going through those fires, going through kind of um, the tests, of it, you know, seeing what it takes on that next level to kind of elevate your game and, and take that next step. There's something to it. Um, now you can argue that the Jazz having lost, you know, in the first round the last two years and the second round the year before that, they've gotten a little bit of a taste of it. I don't know that, you know, the, the journey needs to necessarily inherently include a stop in the conference finals you know it it might be that this group with having everyone healthy and everyone ready to go having Boyan Bogdanovich back this year and Don on another level and if we can get Rudy performing consistently in the postseason you know maybe that's sufficient to make that leap but uh, to your point yeah it hasn't happened a ton. I think Jordan Clarkson was on the Cleveland Cavaliers finals yep. team in right. 2018. Yep. That's, that, I forgot about JC with the Cavs, but um, I, I, I want to say that his role there was was fairly limited by the time they got to the finals, so he wasn't getting a ton of minutes. But yeah, your, your point is correct. 
No, he wasn't. I'm looking at the uh, player summaries. He only played in two games. Uh, so and at 12 minutes a game, but nevertheless, just just for the sake of accuracy in my old newspaper days, Eric, I'm sure you could appreciate that. I do. I appreciate you keeping me on my toes <laughs> and keeping me honest. Which you know, or one of those I expect from you, if, if not necessarily the latter. So always always good to be pleasantly surprised. I'm thinking uh, we, if I'm looking for concerns. You know, you, you talked about individually Donovan Mitchell there, and you listed all the stuff, uh, refereeing and just the nature of the games in the playoffs. And it's all legitimate, and he does have to answer those questions, and the team has to answer the questions in the postseason because there is somewhat of a disbelief or an unbelief in this team as far as that they can do what they're doing now in the postseason. And one of those things, rather than focus individually, is collectively is the three-point shooting because the pressure ramps up literally and mentally in the playoffs, as we've seen that. So how do you think the three-point shooting will be able to uh, succeed, I guess? How good will they be in terms of making three-pointers? Because it's clear they're going to need to make them in the postseason. Right, yeah. And and what a what a time for that question, given that, you know, we've, we've seen the Jazz recently go through a stretch of, you know, 11 for 44 and 12 for 42. And, you know, I think they had three or four games where they, three and a half games probably we'll call it, where they really were just pretty pedestrian behind the arc. And some of that, you know, they attributed to changing defenses. You know, teams have become a little more committed to running them off the line and them running shots. Some of it, they just attributed it to, you know, a random variance where, you know, uh, it was inevitable that there was going to be some downturn in their efficacy from beyond the arc, and it just so happened that, you know, it was those games consecutively. But, um, you know, there's a reason that people say live by the three, die by the three, right? I mean, if not for missing 27 consecutive three-pointers in a, in a conference finals game, maybe we're looking at the Houston Rockets being NBA champions one year and, and not having – had to uh, detonate that entire franchise. So there's something to it, um, especially given that, you know, we've seen Jordan Clarkson really kind of tail off in terms of three-point shooting recently. We've seen Bogey be up and down. Uh, Donovan got up to 40% and then had a few rough games there. So it's, it's a valid criticism. I guess the question is, you know, do they ultimately just – trust what got them there and and figure that um you know this is what they've been doing all year long they're on pace set an nba record for threes attempted and threes made this year so for better or worse this is their identity and and it's it's what they're rolling with eric walden joining us jazz beat writer for the salt lake tribune so there is a, a lot of emphasis on the standings, the race, get the top seed, and that all sounds good, home court advantage, especially when you get to play at elevation. Uh, but if the Lakers are sitting in that 4-5 uh, series and a potential second round or probable second round opponent, do you really want the top seed? Do you think they'll tank <laughs> games to avoid it? Is it much ado about nothing because you either get out of the West or you don't, so you don't care what round? Where do you come down? And all, all those questions, you know them all. Go ahead. Go. Yeah. A, f- a few of us B writers were actually kind of discussing this yesterday. You know, 
kind of trying to project how the how the standings might work out and how the seedings might work and who might be seeing who in the second round. And here's what it comes down to. Um, they're going to be seeing a really good, really tough team in the second round almost assuredly. Um, so I don't know that it does you a ton of good to tank, especially because uh, with the play-in tournament as it is right now, um, <laughs> their chances of getting out of the first round uh, as they stand are, are a lot better if they remain the number one seed and you wind up with, say, uh, Memphis or, or someone like that being your first-round opponent as opposed to you know, Dallas or Portland um, if, you, if you drop down to the two or, or three seed. So, you know, they could be playing the Lakers in the second round. They could be playing the Clippers in the second round. I suppose maybe it's a little advantageous now to face the Nuggets in the second round, perhaps, with, with Jamal uh, Murray's horrible injury. But, um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be uh, actively tanking to avoid a matchup this year. You know, clearly that was something they did last year, uh, feeling like that he had the capacity to knock off Denver in the bubble. And, you know, but for but for Bogey being out and but for one last ditch Mike Conley shot rimming out, uh, they were going to. This time around, I think it probably makes more sense for them to simply uh, try to get home court advantage all the way through the playoffs because this team is really, really good at Vivian Arena. It, it makes a legitimate difference in how they play, and I think – having as many games as they can there is, is ultimately going to be the biggest factor for them. You think they got something in Brantley or no? Or you don't know? <laughs> that's that's another great question, right? Like, he was the guy who, out of their, their trio of second-round picks a year ago, if you had asked me at the time, who's the most likely to, to stick? You know, I think most of us would have uh, predicted him. And, you know, since then we've seen Mieoni kind of be the guy, although last night that wasn't really the case. You know, Mieoni played seven minutes because Jarrell Brantley was simply uh, better out on the court than he was in, in this particular matchup. I think there's something there. Uh, I, I don't think it's a ton yet. I think he still is pretty kind of wildly inconsistent and, and a little bit underdeveloped at this point. But, there's some intriguing skills for sure. I mean, you've got a guy who's who's six foot five and who's thick, you know, who's built, but who's got some some guard skills. He's got the ability to hit some threes, to put the ball on the floor, to grab some rebounds. There's something there. The, the question is going to be, you know, is, does a team that's this good uh, have the ability to? Give minutes to a guy like that consistently. Uh, he probably more than anyone was was hurt by the fact that there were only a handful of G League games this year because uh, that really would have done him some good to play a full season with the Stars. Eric Walden, Jazz writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, joining us. Uh, the Jazz have the uh, the best record. Do you consider the healthy Lakers the best team, or have you got another favorite in the West? Yeah, I mean, LeBron and LeBron and Anthony Davis are are, are absolute game changers. Um, you know, which is not to say the Lakers still have their flaws. Uh, I saw I saw someone post a stat on Twitter last night that 
out of the 11,000 plus individual seasons that have been played by someone who's put up as many shot attempts as Wes Matthews, that uh, only about like 50 or so had a worse shooting percentage uh, in that time that, than he did. So turns out not everything they do turns to gold. You know, we've, we've seen Dennis Schroeder have his ups and downs there to the point now that, you know, uh, this this no-doubt extension we thought he was going to get is up in the air. We've seen Montrez Harrell have some issues. Um, we've seen Mark Gasol have some issues. I mean, they had enough issues at the big man spot that, that they felt compelled to go out and add Andre Drummond at the at the deadline, um, or rather on the buyout market post-trade deadline. But, you know, they're not a perfect team, but until somebody knocks those guys off, um, you have to consider them the favorites. I guess the question with, with them is, you know, can you count on Anthony Davis to be healthy consistently? You know, he's a guy who throughout his career has been kind of consistently banged up, nicked up. He's always seemed to got something going on. Um, but then again, you know, if he can get right for the playoffs and, and put it together for those 16 games, they're awfully tough. So, um, yeah, I think Phoenix doesn't have the experience. I think the Clippers probably, you know, while while Kawhi and uh, Paul George are incredible, they've got some deficiencies. So, you know, as great as the Jazz have been and as likely as they are to finish with the one seed, uh, I, I think we have to say that, yeah, the Lakers are the postseason favorites if those two guys are back on the court and playing well. And you just hope if the Jazz should get through these teams in the West that they don't face the Wizards in the final, right? <laughs> yeah, so long as they can avoid the Washington Wizards in the NBA Finals, they've got a shot. <laughs> Twenty and thirty-three, six and two against the big dogs: Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, Nets. Fourteen and thirty-one against everybody else. The NBA makes no sense. Yeah, there's there's a lot to that this year. It's you know I, I saw another stat that um, the Jazz had like kind of the lowest margin of winning of any first place team in the league since um, I, I forget who the previous team was, but it was um, the lowest margin of winning against fellow top teams of any team in, in about twenty or thirty years. So it's just. It's just crazy all the way around, you know. Who knows how it's going to turn out? Um, we're starting to see players say, "Hey, you know, did you all already get hurt because we're playing this this truncated schedule because we're cramming all these games into such a short amount of time?" Uh, we've seen it turn into load management in the extreme for some squads. We've seen it turn into, um, you know, that that's been one of the criticisms of the Jazz's record. Yeah, they've won a lot of games, but a lot of them have been against, you know, uh, the Brooklyn Nets holding out Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving and all of that, you know. So what it all means, I don't know. But, um, you know, I guess to that point, yeah, let's just cancel these remaining 17 regular season games and, and get the playoffs started. We've seen all we need to, right? Well, that just brought this segment full circle. Way to go. Well done. Good work, Eric. This is why I'm the talented newspaper journalist that I am. <laughs> All right, well, we will let you go. We appreciate a few minutes uh, and uh, look forward to uh, reading you when the Jazz get going again Friday and Saturday. All right, we'll uh, talk later, guys.
Thank you, Eric. Eric Walden, jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. DJ and PK coming up. NFL Draft Talk, Thor Nystrom's going to join us, college football and NFL Draft writer for NBC Sports Edge. He's coming up in 15 minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. North Texas softball pitcher Hope Trawine. She threw, well, a perfect game would be nobody gets on base, right? What's a perfect game if you strike out everybody? 21 consecutive strikeouts. And she didn't get to three balls once. Yeah, but did she suffer any foul balls? <laughs> 21 consecutive <laughs> no, strikeouts. No, she didn't get on. to three balls hold once. On. Look, I'm just saying, maybe she struck everybody out, but if batters were fouling the ball off left and right, then they were this close. What? I'm just beside myself right now. I don't know what to do. Just kidding. That's a, that's a terrific accomplishment. Were there any foul balls? <laughs> Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Get your foursome together and sign up today for the Dyslexia Center of Utah Charity Golf Tournament. Join the fun May 13th at Cedar Hills Golf Course. 100% of the proceeds go to the Dyslexia Center Scholarship Fund. Space is limited. Find out more at dyslexiacenterofutah.org. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Utah Jazz getting the win last night, and PK... It was, uh, some people are now objecting to the use of the word lackluster performance in beating the Outman Thunder. (laughs) Screw them, that's what I say. (laughs) And why do you say that? Because it was somewhat of a lackluster performance early on. They were down 17 in the first quarter. And then the next uh, next, uh, 25 to 30 minutes were all jazz all the time. Well, I wouldn't have thought Lou Dort would go for 42. Right? It was a very, it looked a lot like Donovan's game as far as the flow of the points. On, you know, Monday, Donovan had the big first quarter and the big fourth quarter, and Lou Dort had an awesome first quarter. I think he had 18 at the end of the quarter. Yeah. But he was at 22 at halftime, and really the Thunder, just not just Lou Dort, but anyone struggled to score in the third quarter. And that was when the Jazz blew the game open. And. I think it was a 13-point quarter. No, 16-point quarter for the Thunder. And then he, you know, he picked up some points in the fourth quarter and got to 42. But that, that was the fourth quarter was garbage time. That was a 20-point game. Yeah, I like the Jazz third quarters. I mean, for whatever reason, they've been really, really lighting it up in the third quarter. I, I don't know if it's adjustments. I don't know if they need to take the flow of the game. But that's something that you have to be, I don't want to say concerned about, but be aware about because I don't know how much that's going to fly in the postseason. And it is all about the postseason right now, obviously. I mean, just talking to Eric Walden here, it's like, do we really have to go through these next 17 games? Yes, we do. We do. <laughs> yes, we do. Our body clock tells us the playoffs should be starting now yeah. for all those years. And for two years now, we're not going to have it. Uh, one of the guys we've had on the show for a number of times, Andy Bailey, put out a tweet. I, see which, I wanted to see what you thought of this. Utah's 1-6 when Mitchell takes at least 25 shots. And then obviously they would be 30, or 40, and 8, I think, if the math uh, turns out right in the other games. Is there something there? Yes, I think there is. Uh, okay, what is it, though? I think it's a couple things. One, they're better when everyone is involved and has it going. It goes back to what Eric just said in the last segment. And, uh, you know, would you rather have two stars who dominate or four guys? Well, I think you'd rather have the two stars. NBA history is pretty clear on that. But that's not what the Jazz have. 
What the Jazz have at their best is when the mixer is going, the ball is moving, and the defense can't possibly rotate fast enough, and they get somebody a wide-open shot. When that doesn't happen, and when they get late in the clock, then Donovan has to create because he's one of the few guys who's going to break people down and he gets more shots. So I think usually when he's taking more shots, it's a sign that the offense hasn't been good enough to get the early shot that they're looking for. All right, so it certainly isn't necessarily on Mitchell individually. I think it's more a statement of how the you know they probably aren't running at that point. Um, you they know, probably the, aren't winning at that point. They, no, absolutely, I put that on the list too. Yeah, when they get the ball in transition, as as and Quinn has probably told us fifty times, we need to do that. We need to do that. We need to do that. Well, it's a lot of different guys scoring when they're getting shots up in the first six seconds. Whether it's all the way for a layup or whether somebody's getting to the three point line wide open, it, it can be anybody at that point. But when you're late in the shot clock, it's going to be Donovan a lot of the time. And when you're late in the shot clock, you're operating out of a position of weakness. I don't think it's a stereo. If you're looking at that saying, oh, some nights Donovan just decides to shoot a lot, I don't think that's how it works. You know, I think that's part of his slow starts. He doesn't decide to shoot a lot early on and tries to, you know, the old Jordan thing, get everybody involved. I think it's a sense of urgency where he feels like mm-hmm. I've got to get this team back. Yes. And I, it's on me to do it. Yep. So I'd be interested in those seven games. Uh, what were the circumstances mm-hmm. as far as like six, seven minutes to go in the game? Yeah. What was the score? How much were you behind? Yeah. What, I think you're onto something there, right? And, and pull so, that, pull, dig deeper into that number and see if he took uh, 15 of his 25 shots in the last six minutes because they were down by 10. And then are we going to look and find it's a lower scoring game? And are we going to look and find it's a game where they didn't score in transition? You know, and start looking at all those things. And I think that's why we've seen these staffs swell because I think coaches, you know, in the Sloan era, they had a sense of that. Now they have the people to actually dig out those numbers and precisely know for a fact. And it may confirm what they already guessed, but they, they don't want to be guessing. They've got the league is awash in money and they want to confirm that stuff. And that's why they've got analysts digging all kinds of stuff like that. Those numbers and other numbers that you and I aren't even considering. But I'm sure that the Jazz Brass knows, you know, what percentage of shots uh, Donovan takes late in the clock, what percentage he takes out of the team's total attempts by quarter. I'm, I think they dig. I think they got people digging into all, all that stuff and stuff you and I haven't even thought up yet. Yeah. So, all right, DJ and PK, it's 97. But I think the bigger point, the bigger point is true. The bigger point is accurate. And I think you can watch games and kind of watch that flow in a box score during a timeout and think, okay, they're in trouble or they're not. You know, there are a lot of times that Thurl will say, hey, they're up by five. You know, and they weren't up by many at halftime, but was Lou Dort going to continue to dominate the way the game, the way he did for eight to 10 minutes in that first quarter? You know, you would think not. And it turned out to be not. And he still got 42. It goes back to what you said. They, they just didn't have anything around him. They got end-of-the-bench guys or not end-of-the-bench guys around him. So, And that's why yesterday um, Barry Trammell came on and said they're bringing a water pistol to this fight. Well, there you go. He was right. DJ PK coming up next, NFL Draft. Thor Nystrom, lead college football and NFL draft writer for NBC Sports Edge, joins us next. Stay with us.